0: iyo.com You're listening to the Wavebreak podcast, the show where I interview the people behind the fastest growing e-commerce and direct to consumer brands. I'm your host Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. Wavebreak is the email and CRM agency for high growth D2C brands. With ad costs rising, we help brands maximize lifetime value by building and optimizing world-class email and SMS marketing programs. You can learn more about partnering with us at wavebreak.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Wavebreak. Wavebreak is the email and CRM agency for high-growth, direct-to-consumer brands. And today, I want to talk about what that means and what that's like so what we do with our clients and really our biggest value that we drive is helping them not start from zero helping them uncover opportunities where they're leaving money on the table and they don't even know it as we head into black friday giving them insights and advising them on strategy by letting them know that the best day to send an email during cyber week isn't black friday and it's not cyber monday although you should email on those days there's days that are way more impactful There are certain times that you should send during Cyber Week that we've tested and proven over the last five years uh, and over $40 in revenue during that time period. Plus, ideas and strategies like from our proven data that we've tested, including the second highest revenue-generating email that you can send during Q4 is a specific type of reminder email. And these are the type of insights that we bring along with our five-plus years of experience optimizing the direct-to-consumer e-commerce email and SMS playbook It typically results in anywhere from 30 to a 300% increase in email and SMS revenue. So typically, you know, we can even drive two to three times more email revenue and in a really short window, just because there's gaps that you probably have in your existing program that you don't even know exist that we can spot for you because of our deep experience. So while we're fully booked for Q4, if you're not working with us already, you can schedule a call so you can hit the ground running in the new year at wavebreak.com. Really excited for today's episode. I'm joined by Joe Hudas, who is the CMO at Wana Brands. Wanna Brands is a cannabis company. And this is a really interesting interview because you can learn a lot about how to differentiate and market a product in a highly regulated and highly competitive industry. And so with that, Joe has really had to think outside of the box on marketing and growing Wanna, And you can take his strategy and apply them as the direct-to-consumer and e-commerce brand to differentiate and double down and um, grow a lot faster using these insights. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Joe. Thanks, Dylan.
1: I appreciate it. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. So before we jump into you know talking about marketing, talking about branding in the you know highly regulated and competitive space of cannabis, why don't you give us the quick rundown on yourself and then Warner Brands, just so we have some perspective before we dive into it.
1: Great. Yeah, so I have been in this crazy cannabis space for really about 10 years now um, started uh, with uh, I was with a partner of an ad agency here in Colorado we had a client that came to us and needed some uh, branding work early two twenty or early 2010 and uh, they the market was just medical at that point recreational or, or adult use legalization wasn't even on the horizon for anyone we we got into it with those folks and uh, I really found it fascinating because I saw the potential I saw we did some research where we were doing intercepts at now dispensaries understand who's coming in, why were they buying products, that kind of thing, and um, it it really uh, became clear to me that people were not using the products in the way that I thought, and or the profile of the person who was using the products wasn't what I thought, um, and I really began to see such diversity in that in that audience that it kind of intrigued me. Now, having been a cannabis consumer and and was always pro legalization. Um, I, I certainly didn't have any issues with it, but i never thought about it from a true like opportunity perspective. Um, and then as I dug into it further, I also began to understand the power of the plant and how it was affecting those people and how it was helping their lives. Um, and, and that kind of sealed the deal for me. So in 2014, the first week of adult use legalization here in Colorado, uh, and we're the first state to do that. Um, I became chief marketing officer for uh, another edibles company called Dixie Brands and spent four years there really cutting my teeth on the industry and um, also getting the opportunity to help shape uh, legislation and regulation here in Colorado and then other states as they came online. So it's been you know, pretty fascinating journey that has taken me now to uh, this role with Juana Brands. Juana is the, uh, the largest edibles manufacturer in North America. We have uh, currently, we're in 12 states in the U.S. and nine uh, provinces and territories in Canada. Um, Canada in particular, we have in any given time, 35 to 40 percent of the market share of edibles in that in that country. So um, it's federally legal in, there, in Canada versus here in, in the states where it is a state by state kind of patchwork regulation. but um, but that's allowed us to really have a, a pretty large footprint. And as it relates to to brands in this space, I would say we're probably one of the closest to having a true national brand footprint of all the edibles companies that are out there
0: yeah, that's awesome. And I'm curious. One thing you said was like early on, we, one thing that was interesting is actually learning who the customers were and why they were coming in the dispensaries. like what were some of the most surprising reasons or types of people that were going in there?
1: Well, I think you know the the general perception certainly at that time, and I think still for people who are not familiar with dispensaries and haven't been in them and and haven't watched people come in and out, I think the perception is it's a you know, we used to say that the 23-year-old the lift operator who has, you know, back issues, right, who was <laughs> right, build, right. Build cannabis. Um, and certainly that, that person, you know, is, is a valid customer and someone that would uh, would frequent the dispensary, but it was also the 75-year-old woman with arthritis who really found great relief from some of the topical she used or um, would take one hit, you know, at night before she went to bed and would help with her sleep. It was the middle-aged business person who uses it to unwind after a hard day because alcohol doesn't agree with them. I mean, it was just a number of different um, profiles of people that uh, were using it for not just, I also think the perception is like this idea that cannabis is a party drug, right? People just use it to go out and get high and party. And, and most of the people, believe it or not, I don't have the exact data in front of me, but most people use it for a specific reason. Now that reason can sometimes cross over. Right. So if I use it to relax and I'm, I'm relaxing with my friends at my house and we're having fun at a party. Okay. Well, that, you know, I guess that's recreational use, but, but truly I'm using it to relax and unwind or to deal with anxiety and those kinds of issues. So um, I think seeing that people use it for specific purposes was a uh, a different perspective for me at least beyond understanding the people that people just use it to, to hang out and party.
0: Yeah, no, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And then walk me through how it works exactly. I know like, you know, legislation's changing all the time. It varies state by state. Um, what does it look like to be an edibles brand in this market? Like how are people able to, how are you able to market and sell your product? And like, how are people able to buy that? Like, does it vary state to state think. like can you buy this directly from a dot com site anywhere yet or what is what does that look like does it all have to go through a dispense, dispensary doing the you know le- the quality of stuff that you guys are doing or what what does that exactly look like today
1: great question i think to to truly dive into the full answer we'd have to spend another 10 hours on this <laughs> <laughs> state by <laughs> so state and just cases? go through everything no oh, man it's, it's complicated because the the regulations do vary by state now Um, there are some commonalities, right? So for the most part, almost every state, it's a three-tier model where you have manufacturing, distribution and dispensary for retail. Um, And then you usually also have a a cultivation license somewhere in there because they're providing the the raw plant material as we call it. Um, And so there is a symbiotic relationship between cultivators and retail and manufacturing because that's what takes the product to market. Um, But on a state-by-state basis, uh, it, it varies even down to the level of in California, you ask about like .coms, for example, in California, because of their delivery model and the regulation around that, they actually are able to be much closer to a .com model. So we're seeing this interesting shift right now where brands in California are creating their own direct-to-consumer sites, generally through a third party, like there's a company that we work with called Grassdoor out there. Um, those guys will do all the delivery and all the back end. They set up the, the interface for the, for the uh, brand, because the brand is not technically able to transact, right? So in all states, to my knowledge at least, um, I as a brand can't charge you, Dylan as the consumer for the product. That has to go through a regulated dispensary and/or a third party delivery uh, model like it is in California. Now, to the consumer, it probably looks pretty transparent, right? I go to uh, Wanda's website. It says, you know, purchase now, have it delivered directly to your home. I you know get what I want, I pay. Um, I'm really paying grass store. I'm not paying Juana. Um, and then it gets delivered to the home. That model is just beginning to take hold here in Colorado, but it's completely different. The regulations around delivery are different. The delivery here has to be pegged to a retail dispensary. So there's a company in Colorado we work with called Duba. Duba um, is a delivery service, but their technology and delivery layer in between us and the dispensary. So the dispensary really is providing the product, they're not able to hold any product, they're not able to warehouse any product as a delivery platform, unlike California where they can do that. So, um, so that's as close as we get to direct to consumer, the rest of it all has to go through a dispensary, which uh, leads to your other question about how do we how do we build a brand? How do we reach that consumer? How do we drive traffic to a, to a store? And um, I think it's really become a combination of um, uh, sort of time to market. So in Missouri, for example, Uh, We got into Missouri early. So Missouri is what we call a limited license market. So there's not, unlike California or Colorado or or Oklahoma, where there are a ton of licenses, Missouri has a limited number, right? So um, as a result, you can be in pretty much every dispensary. Um, People become familiar with your brand and we get a good stronghold there early on before downstream from here, I'm sure they're gonna open up more licenses, more brands will come in, but we build some brand equity and some goodwill with that without local community by being there early. Um, conversely, you know, have California, which is, I mean, California is California, right? No matter what industry you're talking about, California always is its kind of own unique little, you <laughs> little Island of, of, of commerce. Um, California is really crowded, really loud, still a very active black market. Um, taking a brand that maybe is popular in every other state that you're in and dropping in California doesn't always work because people are spending a tremendous amount of uh, money because there's so much noise in that market. Um, to get in front of that consumer is very costly. And um, distribution is really hard in that market because not all dispensaries, uh, are, the dispensaries there are more onesies, twosies. There's not these larger chains like we have here in Colorado or in some of these other markets. So all of that is to say, we have um, limited opportunities and ways in which we get in front of the consumer, but it's all intended to drive traffic to the dispensary where we lose control of that consumer, right? Because right. once I've once I've said, hey, we have this great product and this great brand, and they go to the, the dispensary. I don't know if they bought my product or their brand because they might walk into the dispensary where the, the butt tender who has, I'd say 80, 80 to 90 percent of the the buying decision is, is influenced by the butt tender. The butt tender may say, Well, if you want a gummy, you don't want this one, you want this one. This is the one I like, or you know, have you tried this one for sleep? Or you know, they they can easily sway that consumer because consumers are not super knowledgeable yet and as a result don't always have as much brand loyalty as you might find in other more mature industries and i'll stop talking now
0: <laughs> no yeah no that i think that was a really great overview just so people can understand like how the markets vary in every single industry and then like how much control you have it's it's really interesting like how like you know in california it's it's a, it's a lot more direct and then you know in colorado it's almost like uber eats model where you have like the restaurant yeah. and then you have the technology layer on top. Um, and then, you know, in other yeah. places, it's like straight from the dispensary. And that is tough because you could be, you know, spending a lot of money to get people in there. And you're totally right. The guy's like, oh, no, you don't want this. You want this. And you're like, well, he works here. He's probably high right now. He probably knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> no, But yeah. um, no, but so so, what is that like? Like, is it a focus then on like building brand and sending people in there more direct response style? Or like, how do you think about differentiating your product? And are you trying to build relationships with the dispensaries and like do trainings to those people? Or like, how exactly do you think about, um, you know, with that uphill battle, like what do you do to, um, yeah, really position your product at the top of the market like that?
1: So I'll start by saying, you know, dollar for dollar, the in-store um, focus is, is probably yielding the, the best return. And, and by in store focus, I mean, um, as you mentioned, training butt tenders. Um, I know it sounds really old school and kind of weird, but we spend a tremendous amount of money on swag. So it's mm. hats, it's t shirts, it's hoodies, it's really gaining favor with the butt tenders in the store. They're wearing our gear, they're happy to be part of the brand. Um, so we really focus on differentiating our, our swag game. Uh, you know, it, it, it has gone well beyond just a logo on a t shirt. We, we actually invest in more fashion and and couture than we do uh, giveaway swag. So, um, so that's a big piece of it. But when COVID hit and, and people began to really uh, drive more into an online model, because we were deemed an essential business, right, which was awesome. Um, but the consumer wasn't going to the store, the butt tender wasn't having that direct interaction. So we over the last year and a half shifted a lot of resources to online education. Um, we actually uh, are one of the few, I think, still brands that have Um, the iHeartJane platform on our integrated into our website. iHeartJane is, there's a couple of them out there. There's Dutchie, there's iHeartJane, there's Trees. Um, These are backend e-commerce platforms, essentially, that uh, allow you to display menus and have um, a person, uh, a consumer ostensibly click through and purchase the product online. Although in our case, it's reserving the product because, by the way, back to the complications, no dispensaries can actually take credit cards online. You can't buy it online um, other than through the delivery model. So... Um, in here in Colorado. So they they reserve the product online. We have the IRGM platform. So it looks to the consumer like they're buying our product through our website. Technically, we're taking them to the dispensary website where they can see the pricing and everything and, and make their decision there. Um, so we invested heavily in that. We invested heavily in, in digital um, campaigns to keep our brand top of mind with the consumer. Um, and we also invested in new technologies, a company we partnered with here called Zoltrain. Great company. Um, they helped us Initially, they were bud tender training. They too pivoted during the during COVID and uh, have moved more into a what we call a rich SMS platform. So it allows us to educate the consumer via text message with our dispensary partners. So when we run a promo, we can actually create a, a very rich interface that the consumer receives uh, via SMS that tells them why our product is different, how it is better. And then of course, there's purchase now buttons throughout the, uh, the text.
0: Oh, wow. And that's all, then that complies with Shaft?
1: Yes, because these are these are curated, you know, owned customer lists from the dispensary, usually through their loyalty program.
0: Oh, got it. And it's not like a direct promotion of like, buy this. It's more like a loyalty program of this like medical dispensary. Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Got it. And then whenever you say um, digital campaigns, I know you're limited in which channels you can use. Like, what does that look like? Or is it like a Trojan horse? You're like, oh, we'll promote the swag and then people will just find it on the back end. They're like, how does does that work? And now a quick break for a quick word from our sponsor, Okendo. Okendo is the new standard in customer reviews for high growth Shopify brands. We use them with our clients and they work with over 4,000 of the fastest growing Shopify retailers like Skims, Nomad and Buck Mason to help them leverage their most powerful asset, their customers. Okendo gives brands all the tools they need to capture and showcase customer-generated content like product reviews and ratings, photos and videos, and Q&A. Plus, they have an awesome integration with Klaviyo that makes it easy to do cool stuff like send review request emails and target shoppers based on review content. And now that it's that time of year again, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday are top of mind, Okendo is offering a 90-day free trial to help e-commerce brands ramp holiday conversion without having to worry about increased subscription costs. If you sign up before October 31st, you pay nothing until 2022. It's really a no-brainer to me, and don't worry, you won't be forced into any expensive annual contracts after your trial is up. They offer super affordable monthly subscriptions starting at $29. So you can make the most out of this holiday season with a little help from Okendo. Visit okendo.io and start your free trial today. That's O K E N D O.io. Thanks, Okendo, for sponsoring the show.
1: Sometimes that is what we do. Um, you know, the, the Trojan horse is, is, is a, a good, I think, term for it where we, we can't, I can't advertise uh, digitally and say, hey, we're, we're doing a two-for-one on this product at this dispensary on these dates. Um, I can't do that. Uh, what I can do is I can advertise, hey, we've launched this new sleep product, find a dispensary near you, click through here, maybe it takes them to a landing page where there's specific dispensaries, maybe it takes them to a landing page where we talk about a specific promotion. Um, uh, so we kind of do have some of those workarounds that we have to think about. Uh, but then we also have the the, the challenge of really losing that, that customer. So some of our partners now, uh, we work with a company called Surfside, they track, uh, they'll track foot traffic for me. So when we serve up uh, an ad, they will then track for me how many people were served that ad that actually went into a dispensary they were targeting. It gives me good directional data. It doesn't really tell me that I converted that person saw that ad into a purchase. So I can't always correlate the ROI from a digital campaign. But in terms of where we can advertise, interestingly, you know, a lot of the ad exchanges are now open to cannabis advertising. A lot of mainstream adver- advertisers are. It was just. Are as well. I was just having a conversation with a, a group earlier this morning where I said, you know, I feel like every ad exchange, every de- uh, media company that I talk to says, well, we have access now to Vogue and you know, Food and Wine and all of these you know mainstream media um, platforms. They're all telling me the same thing, right? So presumably they have access to them. We're doing it through you know uh, through through targeted uh, demographics and we're and we're serving up you know bo- mostly programmatic ad buys in addition to. The cannabis specific content where we know it's, first of all, it's safe. Secondly, they don't care if we advertise, you know, price point and and drive traffic. My company as WANA, we focus a little bit less on that because we know that that consumer is generally price point driven is looking for deals. So we tend to we tend to focus more on on brand building and um, trying to reach new consumers more than than existing.
0: Got it. And that makes sense. And so that's why you're looking at more of like the legit publications where you can buy that programmatic and then like really educate those new consumers. So then it's not just competing on price.
1: Correct. Like we just launched, um, two new products. One is a sleep product and one is a product we call want to fit. Um, and want to fit is actually, I've got a container right here of want to fit. So it is a, um, it is a, essentially a weight loss product. It, It helps with appetite suppression. It's a completely different Way for people to think about cannabis. This does not get you high. It's mm-hmm. a daily gummy, but we serve it in dispens We uh, sell it through dispensaries because it does have 0.1% uh, THC in it. So it has to go through a dispensary. Um, but educa- finding uh, a target audience that, first of all, is interested in, in weight loss and fitness, that's often, you know, that, that target is huge, but a lot of those customers are not necessarily cannabis consumers. So getting to those folks and then getting them to feel comfortable about going into a dispensary requires a different approach digitally. So we have to really expand our our kind of uh, mindset as it relates to how we're targeting, who we're targeting.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then, so what what does that typically look like? Are you sending them then to like, I know you have an awesome podcast. Like, are you integrating the podcast into that strategy for promotion? Is that something totally different? Are you sending them to like an educational like blog post or are you doing like, you know, more editorial style or like, what is what does that look like?
1: So in this particular case, um, for the launch of these products, we sent them to a, a landing page that had a 30-second uh, a spot and a lot of education on the two different products, what they do, how they how they work. It's under a new kind of line of products, which you may, may not be able to see. There's called WANA Optimals. Um, so it is WANA, but it's our Optimals line. So there was some education that had to be done. So we sent them to the landing page, get them educated. We had a couple of key launch partners who were able to say, like, they're available at these dispensaries. Um, and, and so that's how we launched that product. But overall, to your question, we generally like to link to to deeper content. So, um, on the CBD side, we definitely link to our blogs, um, pretty regularly, um, the podcast, we need to do a better job of integrating it. We have, we, we're integrating into our social, we haven't really integrated a ton into our, our paid media uh, or our programmatic ad buys, but, um, probably could do more of that.
0: Got it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say you guys are crushing it with the podcast. Like the titles of the episodes really make you want to listen in like answers to the cannabis parenting questions. You're too scared to ask. It's like, I kind of want (laughs) to know. I'm not even a parent yet, but I'm curious. Um, There
1: there There's a fun one we did a couple of weeks ago where we had to, we circulated it internally and everybody from myself all the way up to our CEO listened to it before we posted. It was with a, um, a sex therapist and you know, the content was great. I mean, it was really good. It was how to integrate cannabis into you know, to how, how use cannabis to help um, relieve some, some sexual either anxiety or issues or whatever. And uh, it was a great podcast, but there was a lot of very direct and frank uh, conversations. <laughs> we're like, I don't know, is that on brand? Is it off brand? And so I, I fired it up to our CEO, Nancy, and she's, she listened to it. She's like, this is great. I love it. We should post it. So We did. Nice. Yeah.
0: I I think that also shows, like, you know, in such a competitive industry, like, one way you can stand out is by being the educator and then also going deep and doing it well like i look at like the last 10 episodes you did like they all have like really good titles that really want to suck you in like this cannabis influencers has the answer to your questions it's like wait cannabis influencer like what do they know or like what's another one? Oh, how it's a performance enhancing drug but not the way you think it's like all these things make really make hook you in and make you want to listen and i imagine if you're doing this in the content you're linking to through your different advertising and marketing that um You know, it really does position, it does hook people in like it should. I feel like that's really missing in marketing these days. It got so easy with Facebook. You just throw up an ad. The algorithm does all the work. You really don't need to be that creative and put it in front. Now it's getting a lot more difficult. But, um, you know, looking at uh, the industry you're in, like you really have to be creative and good. To actually be successful, you can't just throw anything at the wall and make it stick. Like, what what are some of those principles that um, you know you take when you're thinking about like, hey, we're putting together a new editorial piece, or you know, new podcast, or launching the podcast, or like, you know, what? How do you think through that in terms of like, you know, really making it the most powerful thing it could be to really build the brand?
1: Well, um, and that's a great question. I think some of the things you just mentioned in terms of how easy digital made it, you know, and we never as the cannabis industry had as much opportunity to, to leverage that, that ease. So we've always been scrappy. We've always had to think through how to be more creative and, and better because we just have the tools available to us. So, um, so to the point of, you know, how do we kind of approach that process for as Wana? Um, as you noted already, we're very education focused. If you look at the broadcast or the blog cast, the podcast, our blog content, um, our ad campaigns, they're all going to, to drive some point of education as a point of differentiation for us as a product, because innovation is a big piece of what we do. we know that with innovation, you have to be able to explain it and, and really help people understand it and, and to, to get them uh, along in the process. Um, so that's always a guiding principle. Does it educate? Um, we also are very firm believers in, um, in our tagline, which is in, in to enhance people's lives. And so is the content we're putting out there life affirming and enhancing, you know, so, uh, we have our our brand book, our brand guidelines that we work by, and that is a, a big big part of it. So you're never going to see what I would call a piece of throwaway content um, from us. We're, we're always trying to make sure that what we put out there represents the brand in the way that um, we believe it enhances people's lives, and and tr- and that that translates through uh, through the creative. And then I'd say lastly, you know, we have built a brand uh, that you know up until the last couple of years, it it grew organically. People liked the product. Um, Nancy, who was our CEO and founder, as a woman founder and entrepreneur, very successful in building this company. So large kind of presence and following there within the cannabis community, not so much outside of cannabis necessarily. Um, And in the last two years, we've really taken that organic growth, like how do we become the brand that we are? And sort of, I don't want to say reverse engineered it because engineering shouldn't be part of brand building in my mind, but we kind of began to understand that DNA, what makes us who we are. So we came up with a few things like quietly quirky, right? So when we looked at the creative we were doing for our uh, launch of our quick products and we were making, so we were doing some and videos. I said, you know, let's, let's make sure we drop some, some quietly quirky elements to it. Like, you know, in one of the shots, the she's wearing u- fuzzy unicorn slippers or, you know, things like that that are just inherent in who we are. And, and we try to have that come through in our creative.
0: Yeah, that's great, and 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 you make a great point that I think a lot of people overlook. Like, if you're trying to position your brand as a quality brand, and then you're doing things that aren't high quality and not good, like that is a reflection of your brand, and like people will notice that, and then they can connect the dots. So sure. that's a great point.
1: It's a, it's a double edged sword because I can tell you, like, when we talk about going to a conference or a trade show. Uh, it was one not too long ago we had to figure out if we were gonna if we were gonna exhibit there. And I said the problem is we can't we can't just exhibit in a little crappy booth anymore. <laughs> right. We this, we're gonna have to do it, you know, really big. We're gonna have to spend a hundred thousand dollars. We're gonna have to, you know, it, so it does it is that double-edged sword of like we can't do anything small scale anymore because it's not to say that quality and, and size are necessarily equitable with one another, but but for the most part, you're gonna have to invest in in that quality to to get it across. So we, we try to be selective in where we invest those dollars
0: yeah definitely and that that makes total sense and just the you know even if you just look at the podcast page it really speaks through to that um which is great and thinking about um, you know the future and where things are headed I know we covered a lot of like you know how you've gotten here what the strategies are to get there but um, as we start to run out of time like what's what's on your radar what are you excited about it could be you know new markets new marketing strategy anything you have in the pipeline um yeah what does that look like
1: well, you know, from a new market perspective, I'd say there's three things I would I would point to that I'm excited about. New market perspective, I think the East Coast beginning to open up. So New York, New Jersey, um, presumably Connecticut, more Pennsylvania, you know, they've got a medical program, so is Connecticut, so is New York, but becoming recreational markets, really growing. Uh, the East Coast uh, uh presence of cannabis as a legalized product, I'm excited about that's gonna happen in 2022. Um, federal legalization, that's you know, beginning to pick up more and more steam. I think just just this week, uh, there was a Republican-led bill that um, kind of seemingly came out of nowhere. We've been involved with a lot of different organizations that are working on various legislation at the federal level. Um, this was a new one that I had not seen yet, but just really speaks to the fact that uh, I think the most recent poll showed 68% of Americans favor adult use legalization. There's no reason it shouldn't be legal. And I think that the government is once again behind and slow in recognizing that. Um, but hopefully that, you know, begins to pick up even further uh, momentum this year. And then lastly, I would say on, you know, from our perspective, the focus that we have right now on innovation, I'm really excited about some of the products we've got coming up that are different than anything that's been out there. And and, and so I mentioned that fit product. It's not going to be a slam dunk. We're not going to sell millions of units overnight. So we don't do this for that immediate short term game. We're doing it to help progress the industry, to help progress WANA as a brand as, and at the forefront of some of these initiatives. And I think uh, we're going to see more of that from WANA this year that I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it really does make marketing a lot easier when you have a great innovative product. It could make it easier or harder. <laughs> if it's the right time and the right right space and the right product, it makes it easier. Which it sounds like this is. You know, if you're complete, if it's a complete business, not. So I guess that's what I said wasn't 100 true. But in this case, I, I I think it is, especially considering how the brand has been built so far. Um, that's yeah, that's super exciting, especially as you head into new markets, because then you can take the playbook that you already have, roll it out to each market but new and improved every time is that is that how you think about it like hey what did we do last time then how do we kick it up a notch with what we've learned or how do you think about launching new markets
1: yeah well that's that's a great question and and you know we're in 12 markets plus Canada as i mentioned and we're going to launch another four probably in the next quarter um so we'll be at 16 let's say by the end of q1 2022 so you would think that we've got it down pat, right? We've launched sixteen markets for you know. Of course, we know what we're doing. <laughs> it, it changes every every time, but but I will say, over the last year and a half, two years, this is really where it began to pick up pace. You know, three, four years ago, we were in three or four markets. Now we're you know we, we're we're well north of that. So um, it we've really begun to focus on what is replicable, what is the playbook that we can bring to a market and and, and tweak based on the local market requirements, but. Um, and I'm finally starting to see some of that pay off. We're about to launch Nevada. We've got a really great marketing plan for that for that launch that is built from a lot of the other experiences we've had. And then I'll take that and we're going to put that into the next market after that. So we're we're getting there to be able to make it replicable and scalable, but surprisingly, it, it has been more challenging to get to that point than you would think.
0: Well, I bet, because you also like don't have that much data since it's still so new. And then at the same time, every state and regulations different every time. Um, So it's not like, it's just like, Oh, we're launching a new product to all the same markets. It's like totally new every single time. Yep. Awesome. So like, as we start to wrap up here, any thoughts or just like words of advice um, you end on like anything come to mind?
1: Well, I guess I would just say, you know, as marketers, no matter the industry you're in, we can, two things can occur. One, we can get frustrated because uh, marketing is one of those things that everyone thinks they know how to do. And in reality, not everyone does, and and you know so we have to <laughs> listen to everyone's input. We have to then do what we think is the right thing to do for the brand. Um, So you know, just stay the course, um, trust your instincts. Um, the other thing I would say is um, continue to push the envelope and take risks because the other thing that we can do as marketers is is very easy to to the point of launching in new states. It's very easy to just kind of rinse, wash, repeat, right? Um, and to get a plan and say, okay, this works here. Let's do it again and again and again. Um, I am, you know, because of the nature of this industry that we're in, I'm forced to be innovative. I'm forced to push the envelope. Um, but we're also surrounded by so much growth and innovation that these opportunities come to me. I mean, every week I'm having a new conversation with a, a tech platform or something that that will enhance my ability as a marketer. Um, so it just reminds me to say, take risks, push that envelope, you know, really be uh, aggressive in your approach. And they might not all be wins, but, you know, if you hit 50 percent of them, you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Or even if you just hit like one out of a hundred and then you can scale it, boom. Like, I totally agree with you. And I think that's a good point. Kind of similar to what I was saying. It's like innovation and marketing has really, like the playbook was, you know, just dump more money into the same channels with the same stuff, like maybe sprinkle a dash of like cooler video creative or something. And that was like the extent of, of, you know, innovation, if you want to call it that, but um, completely agree with you. You know, it's, it's scary to push the envelope because nobody's doing it, but that's how you find things that do even better than the playbook. Everybody else is running.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: That's great. Well, Hey Joe, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Where can we go to learn more about you and want to brands?
1: Well, uh, me personally, it's, uh, my LinkedIn profile is, is, is at Joe Hodas, So pretty easy. Um, and then want to brands we're at, uh, wannabrands.com and all of our social handles are want to brands that's W a N a. So one N, uh, brands and, um, we'd love for you guys to, to check it out. And I think we have a lot of interesting things going on. Even if you're, even if you're not a cannabis enthusiast, I think you'll find something interesting in what we're doing.
0: Yeah. And if you like podcasts, since you're listening to this podcast, check out their podcast. They have some really interesting episodes. Just scroll through. You'll find at least three to five that you want to click on and, and hear what the answers are to, to whatever that clickbait title is, which is really well done. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for coming on the show, Joe. I really appreciate it.
1: I appreciate it. Dylan. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs>